Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett. And my name is Brian Colbert Kennedy. This is the podcast where we give you the tools you need to fight for a better future for everyone. The context straight from the smartest people on earth and the action steps that you can take to support them. That's right. And our guests are scientists, doctors, nurses, engineers, farmers, politicians, astronauts, seaweed farmers. We even got a reverend. You threw seaweed farmers in there. I like that one. That was a good episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is your friendly reminder that you can send us questions, thoughts, or feedback to us on Twitter at importantnotimp or email Mm -hmm. us at at importantnotimportant.com. That's right. You can also join tens of thousands of other smart people and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. On this week's episode, Brian, we're talking about all the fun stuff that's in your drinking water yeah. And what you can do about it. So fun. Mm-hmm. And our guest is Imari Walker. She's an expert on microplastics, mm-hmm. which from my understanding are very small plastics. Well done. And mm-hmm. she's also a true revelation to talk to. She is. She is. Uh, curiosity, uh, intelligence, enthusiasm. Um, uh, she is, she is uh, the type of person I'm very excited is, is leading the way on these sort of things. We, a we love need more for of cats. It. She has it all. Yep, we can just skip right over that. Anyways, uh, this was great. We're excited to be back. And uh, let's go talk to Amari. Let's do it. Our guest today is Amari Walker. And together, we're going to talk about what's in your water. uh, And more than ever, that answer is stuff that shouldn't be. Amari, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're so happy that you're here. Could you uh, maybe just tell everybody who you are, what you do? Yeah, so I am actually at Duke University. I'm a graduate student starting my fifth year studying microplastics. So my doctoral dissertation is in the civil and environmental engineering department, uh, studying chemicals associated to plastic and how they end up in things like our freshwater or the stomach acid in a bird or a fish and just understanding how those chemicals transform and are possibly more toxic uh, than the original products. But yeah, I'm an engineer and a chemist. Engineer and a chemist. Great. Brian, it's just like you. Same as me. Yeah, same as me. Um, And you said you went to Duke. And Quinn, you love Duke, right? Look, it's not that I don't love Duke. It's that one of my good (laughs) friends growing up was like a UNC basketball guy. And so he... Oh, got it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Sorry about this, Amari. Look, well... we don't have to get into uh, it. It's it's <laughs> no, that sounds, it's a different uh, in, time. <laughs> I was gonna say my uh my undergrad was at UC Berkeley, so my my true rival is Stanford right now. Um, oh, nice, nice, nice. My wife went we to all uh, be friends. My wife went to Stanford, but she also doesn't care about sports, and so people are very confused when they're like, "Oh, Berkeley's terrible." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "What?" Yeah, she's. Just, we can all be friends. Yeah, we oh, we yeah. can work on it. Fantastic! Awesome. Holy cow! Quickly, as a reminder to everyone, because we haven't done this in a while, uh, our goal always is to provide some uh, context for what we're talking about today mm-hmm. and then um, really dig into uh, uh, action-oriented questions that we can all ask uh, to help uh, uh, support uh, today's topic and, and Amari. Yep. Uh, that sounds pretty great to me. We'll see if we can remember how to do this. Been a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah. Which is, which things have been a little, a little crazy out there. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Anyway, anyways, Amari, uh, we like to start with one important question to set the tone for the chaos to follow. Um, instead of saying, tell us your entire life story, uh, we like to ask, Amari, why are you vital to the survival of the species? Oof, man. <laughs> Um, if I just had like a compilation of guests making that noise after I ask yeah, that it. First reaction. We need to do that. Yeah, it's great. Great. Uh, I mean, be bold. The the easy answer right there is that I'm just one person in a collective of people that care about leaving the world a better place than it started. But I I kind of hope to be relevant in the fact that I am a black female environmental engineer and chemist um, trying to change the world as far as microplastics and water quality. And you know, I'm trying to be an inspiration to other people who may not have considered a career. Um, like this, or, you know, um, the idea that you can be a scientist or an engineer and even a science communicator. So I'm hoping to take a little bit more of a public 
facing way to show people that there are people like us out there trying to change the world. That sounds like an easy enough job. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> How's um, that coming? <laughs> well, I love that. Th- well. Thank you for being so thoughtful about it. And I, I, by the way, I'm sure you will pimp these at some point, but I'm going to do so now. But your YouTube videos, uh, which I, I, it seems like the channel is fairly newish. Is that correct? That is correct. It starts um, in May. Um, I'm nice. a, I'm a massive fan of them. They are just fantastic. Um, and, and I love that you uh, explain in your in your intro and then also in the videos uh, that they're not just for you know regular YouTube science nerds, but also I love the ones that are positioned towards folks looking to go to college or are in college or doing post grad research and stuff. Why did you make that decision? So when I decided uh, mid Corona. I guess this is my Corona life crisis. Sure. Uh, By the way, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, you're killing it. <laughs> that I I wanted to do something that was meaningful. And I realized that all these conferences were ending and like being canceled. And I was like, how am I going to communicate science if we can't be face-to-face and talk about my research? Uh, but I realized that the the entire community needs to know about this kind of work, like not just the scientists. And when I told my mom I wanted to do a YouTube channel, she was like, oh, great, because I have a lot of ideas. You need to tell oh. all your cousins about how to get into college and, you know, you can make the video for everybody. And so she was very like, yes, like, you know, all this stuff about like how to get into the top colleges in the country and how to get, you know, scholarships to pay your way and just talk about your life experience because that can be meaningful to other people that haven't seen, you know, uh, a black woman talk about these kinds of things. Oh, I think that's, that's awesome. incredible. Um, I, I, Our mom's the best. Yeah, I know. Wait, can we, how do we just get her on the line? This is, I mean, in addition to you, you're great, but it seems like your mom is fantastic. Oh, she's great. I, I love her. And like, I talked a lot about this before with her. Is she, is she going to listen Whoa. to this? Absolutely. <laughs> I Does, her all about it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, the pressure. Oh my God. <laughs> is she, how is she going to feel if I, if there's a couple F-bombs involved in this in some capacity. Oh, come on. I'm going to try not to. I'll say she's very fluent. So. Oh, she... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're not like four months into COVID, then I, yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's like, it wasn't there science that came out that, Brian, we talked about this. It says that it actually helps relieve stress. Absolutely. I'm sure. My, my yeah. mom right now is busy taking care of uh, uh, elementary school, you know, my little sister. And full time being an attorney, so it's wow. It's a big job to handle as one person. That's awesome. Well, she's um, just sounding more and more badass. Should we just oh, yeah. do Brian? Should we send Brian to help? Would you think that would help or make it more <laughs> difficult for her? No, Fine, she, I'm, I'm, she's in California. She's in Sacramento. I'll just you know, Boom, <laughs> short <Great>. trip, <laughs> bang, road trip. Are those allowed? I don't even know if those are allowed at this point. Sure. Los Angeles is just burning down. Anyways. Let's get to our topic today, which is the things that are in our water that aren't supposed to be in one um, version of that in particular. Just a super quick context. Think basically so things I pulled from the internet. Uh, in 2018, uh, there were about 359 million metric tons of plastics produced worldwide, which is a lot. I don't know how many whales that is. or what I probably could have done the math on it, um, but you know. And then uh, a 2017 study in the journal Science Advances uh, estimated that if current production and waste management trends continue, roughly 12 billion metric tons of plastic waste will be in landfills or in the natural environment by 2050, which is, it just doesn't sound great. Um, But the questions are, where the hell does all that come from and why and how do we stop doing that? So uh, I want to dig into our topic of the week here. What are microplastics? Why are they in uh, the water and thus most likely in my body? Which, as Brian can tell you until now, basically was a temple. So (laughs) uh, Amari, uh, before we get to that, uh, quick question. Your college dissertation at Berkeley, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, was on the quantification of particulate inorganic carbon sedimentation using autonomous carbon flux explorer. Is that, is that correct? Throw it back. Yeah, that's it. Is that back to the future? 
What that, are those? Is that what words? that is? What is a carbon flux? Like, did you invent the DeLorean? What? The, oh, what no. um, wow, this is a long time ago. Uh, but uh, my advisor back at Berkeley, uh, James or uh, Jim Bishop, he designed robots to go to different parts of the ocean and just basically have a camera facing up towards the sky, and it would record whatever dirt or like dead uh, organisms would collect onto the camera and then get Mm -hmm. off every hour or so. And so Mm -hmm. we had like thousands of pictures at different depths. Um, And I basically created code with some of the other graduate students to understand or like identify what was organic versus inorganic and uh, try and quantify the number of particles over time. Uh, so that was that was like a way of trying to understand the carbon cycling um, and how that was was changing with depth. I like how you say like, oh, I just basically kind of made some code to filter yeah, through no big footage deal. of organic versus inorganic. One of my favorite games to play is, and to be clear, like I would be fully guilty of this as whoever, is to ask Brian after one of our scientists or engineers or astronauts or whatever talks about something such as that, to ask Brian, how would how would you do that? Where would you begin that process? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, who 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 can know? Who can? It's know? always a welcome question. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's like a game of Tetris. I think I, yeah. from what I remember, you just look at different pixels and identify them as particles or not. <laughs> okay. Great, sounds uh, easy. Is she mocking us? Okay. <laughs> no. We're talking about microplastics, right? Let's let's get on the same page, I guess. Uh, 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 everybody at home, and honestly, me too, because yep. I don't know what's happening. Yep. Where do they come from? What are they? Right? Mm. What <laughs> What are they? Yeah. So, microplastics are just pieces of plastic that are smaller than five millimeters. So that okay. is smaller than Sorry, a pushpin. I was going to say, this okay. is America. We don't do millimeters here, MRA. Come on. <laughs> it was so hard. Like when you switch to research, you got to go to those units now. <sighs> um, so it was quite an adjustment. I was like, convert it to inches, but no. Yeah. Um, it, you basically, if you have one of those tacks on on a bulletin board or a uh, right. push bin, that is anything smaller than that, that top of the pin is what we would call a microplastic. And they... Uh, they can be what we call primary microplastics, which are things that you can find in like face wash um, or like your body scrubs or even sometimes toothpaste. Those are just like tiny spherical microplastics that, I mean, I used to use all the time. I had no idea that that was plastic in my body wash. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. then uh, there's secondary microplastics. And so those are just things like Anything we throw away or gets improperly disposed of, like the, that form of plastic is going to degrade over time. And sometimes it takes uh, up to, you know, hundreds of years. But with the exposure from like the environment where you're getting exposed to air, uh, water, um, a little bit of wind and sunlight, uh, those the combination of those factors, along with uh, mechanical abrasion processes. So I always imagine like a water bottle you threw out after your long beach trip sitting on the shore and those waves and the sand are hitting it and forming microplastic particles. I mean, it doesn't sound great. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so, so, okay. So some of it's like they were, you know, it was like water bottles and like normal things. And now I feel like that's the thing time. that people think of first, right? Right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the things that, that get degraded over time. And I, I think the one that we don't think about as often is actually microplastic fibers. So those mm. things that come from our clothing that we're wearing. So I don't ah, know yes. when's the last time we've checked the labels on our clothes other than to see what the size is to make sure we're not, uh, you know, this isn't shrinking or oh, yeah. is getting... Mine tend to shrink quite a bit. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> But, you know, things that aren't labeled cotton, like things that are labeled rayon or polyester, uh, those are those are plastic. We're, our stretchy pants are, are forms of plastic. And whenever we wash them or even throw them in the dryer, they're releasing thousands of these microfibers out into our environment. OK, yeah. So I was just going to say, how, how do they get into the air? And then, of course, the water. 
Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about air. Um, the, so first we'll, we'll say clothing. So when you throw things in the dryer, you've got your, you know, your outlet, uh, you know, you already have a lint collector, but it's not going to collect everything. It's going to, things are going to flow out into, um, the air. So that's, that's definitely a, a factor of at least from like our indoor environment releasing, uh, fibers out outdoors, but so uh, I have these like yoga pants, right? They're kind of stretchy. They're very comfortable. When was when the last them, time you did yoga? No, they're for they're for wearing comfortably wearing. Okay, the, so just the call them comfortable pants then. Don't put so a label on yourself that you don't they're deserve. Athleisure wear. Okay. They're called it's called athleisure wear. Okay, thank okay. you very much, okay. Amari. Okay. Thank you for that. Sorry Continue. about Quinn. So when I dry those, literally pieces of like plastic is going into the air. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're they're releasing a, a large amount of our fibers um, and. Uh, at least on the outdoor side as well, we have, you know, whenever we get in our car and go for a drive, I mean, how many of us are actually getting in our cars these days? But yeah. uh, mm. <laughs> when we use- turns out everyone in Los Angeles has been for three months. And that's part <laughs> of the problem. Oh, no. Uh, just a separate, separate discussion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all related. Coronavirus, mm-hmm. plastics, and climate change. They all hold mm-hmm. each other, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you drive, you're driving on tires that are made of synthetic rubber and that whenever you, you know, combine pavement and uh, a tire, you're going to get, you know, tire rubble, tire dust. Um, that's that's just another form of microplastics that's being released into our air and into our waterways with rain events. And then I think the last air example I think about is uh, whenever countries decide to burn their trash. So not every not every country has uh, like you know waste management practices that will uh, you know do things like landfills and stuff. Some of them will just outright burn trash and release all kinds of toxic chemicals and sometimes smaller fragments of the plastic into the air. Great. <sighs> yeah, this great. seems great. Yeah, <laughs> not to scare you, but that happens. <laughs> It's, all right, so that's how that's why all this crap is in our air and now our water. Yeah, and like I mean, we we can you know we're inhaling it in some ways. Uh, like outdoor dust, probably not as much. Um, indoor, the indoor environment is definitely probably more significant if we're worried about how much we're inhaling. Um, just because we're we're you know we have carpets, we have furniture, our clothes are plastic. The, so there's almost probably like tenfold more exposure. Uh, to microplastics if if we're looking in the indoor environment, which I mean we're right. we're now indoors more than outdoors. Yes. Yeah. Well it's interesting how much that seems to have come up in the past few years, even when we're talking about things like natural gas. Because you know, obviously and, and obviously this is this is completely unequal, like the rest of America outside, there there's you know large portions of the country where the air is is very toxic and is bad. And we've always thought like, oh being inside is better, but it turns out you know, there's a large number of toxic, not just, you know, the terrible cleaning products that magically got everything white for 40 years and, it, you know, also give your kids cancer. Um, it's it's things like the natural gas stove or fireplace or, or whatever it might be in your home. And it turns out, I guess, uh, all the microplastics, like you said, we're, we're washing or we're breathing, whatever it might be. It seems like being inside is also not great. It's not perfect. It's a, it's a sad situation. I say vacuum often. If you see dust accumulating, time to back mm-hmm. it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do so? What do we know about what microplastics do um, to our bodies? And I guess what do we not know yet? Mm. I think, as far as for like the human health perspective, we don't know much to say definitively uh, what's going to happen. They've done work on like model model species like rats uh, to see what could possibly happen in the human body. And so mm-hmm. some things that we're particularly worried about are uh, let's okay, let's talk about inhalation. So if we're inhaling uh, plastic into our lungs and that that really depends on the size of the microplastic, if we get closer to a nano nano range, which is like less than 100 micrometers, those have the ability to deposit in the deep lungs. And so with that, we're worried about the idea of getting lesions in our respiratory system. And so that's like kind of a question of like inflammation, cancer, like Mm -hmm. we don't know. But Mm. they have done, I think they've done biopsies of 
human lungs that used to work in like uh, textiles and they would find like microplastic fibers in their lungs. And so, uh, but you know, there's no study that actually pinpoints any of this at this point, but it's, it's definitely one of the concerns for inhalation for ingestion. I'd say like whenever we consume microplastics, whether that comes from like our table salt to, uh, you know, getting a beer or even, you know, drinking, uh, drinking water or drinks that have microplastics or consuming seafood. There's plastic in my beer? Yeah, there's plastic ah, in the beer. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry. Deep breaths, deep breaths. It's okay. This, yeah. this whole conversation is just an intervention for Brian. Yeah, right. I mean, if, working. if we're going to avoid everything microplastic, it's it's going to be close to impossible right now. Um, but, Great. you know, you, you choose your battles. But, you know, like if you're you know, we're consuming it. Not only is it, you know, in our food, but if you're sitting indoors and your dinner plate is just, you know, sitting there and you're, you're eating, your dust particles are falling onto your food. So you're probably getting more microplastics from just your indoor air environment landing on your steak than the actual steak with microplastics. I don't, I don't know if steak has microplastics, but probably, um, <laughs> I mean, steak's not great. No, <laughs> for many reasons. Exactly. But they have been looking into uh, vegetables and other things like other things like fruit um, to find microplastic uh, particles within them. So we can talk about soil in a second. But, you know, when you have the opportunity to or when you're consuming uh, microplastics, the worry is that it can accumulate in our stomach if it's not mm. pooped out, which we have found microplastics in poop. It's official. I didn't do that work. That's not me. Nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it can possibly move into blood vessels and end up accumulating in places like our liver. Uh, and so that's, you know, a big concern from for ingestion. Is, is there uh, just not enough? Like, how come there's so much uncertainty? There's just not enough uh, data yet? It hasn't been studied for long enough? I, I'd say it's a combination of that. There's not enough yeah. research in that field. And like to yeah. study humans is very difficult. Right. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of ethics, uh, I think, associated to that work. But, you know, I just look in and comb through what I can of people that are trying to do this work. But it's still it's so recent, um, the the new interest in, in what's going to happen to humans. But we've seen a lot of things that have happened to like things like marine organisms uh, where they lose yeah. energy or uh, metabolism or it gets clogged in their stomachs and they're unable to remove microplastics from their bodies. Uh, and then, so that, you know, can lead to things like lowered energy levels, the possibility of lowered fertility and ability to reproduce. Um, mm. Some marine organisms just die um, because they can't True. handle it. There's chemicals associated to these plastics. So there's a whole host of possibilities when we, when we talk about like what are the effects for marine organisms because they're continually interacting with them in our oceans, um, in our freshwater environments. I know a study found that copepods, when they were consuming microplastics, they lost, I think, they stopped eating like about 40% of their normal food take, food intake. They, they just kind of reduced that. And so that made their eggs become smaller. And then it made that it made it that they're, they were less likely to actually hatch those eggs. So it affected their entire population. Wow. Um, yeah, it's scary. And, and so again, there's, yeah, it seems like you know, as usual, we've 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 pu started pulling a string, and and we're finding we're finding out other things we should know, and other things we we just don't know yet. Um, you know, where it seemed like 15 years ago, it was, oh, hey, one, well, stop buying soda, but two, if you're going to buy soda, make sure you cut the rings so that the fish, you know, and the dolphins don't eat the plastic rings and they choke. And it turns out, oh, it's not just the 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 large six inch plastic rings it's it's those don't break down and then when they do they turn into very tiny microplastics oh and also they come from other things not just your soda and your beer rings like your clothing or or uh you know chemical factories and those get into bloodstreams it just seems like the rule of like if this then what else oh yeah and and i think when you talk about like the soda can we forget that it may be metal on the outside but it's plastic on the inside they're, they're usually lined with what's called epoxy and mm -hmm. that the base chemical associated to epoxy is bisphenol A. So I think a lot of people, when they say there's chemicals in plastic, what are you talking about? 
But then they see things like BPA free bottles and like, you know, children's products. And uh, I think that's one that people are got really excited about and said, like, we need this out of our, you know, out, out of our products. But they didn't realize that bisphenol A was replaced with other kinds of bisphenols, bisphenol F, bisphenol S. And sure. those, you know, are somewhat more toxic um, in studies than the original products. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to the story of plastic. So even we, we, that can. Humans are very happy to look for the easy answer and the easy win. Sure, sure. You know, like banning plastic bags somewhere and, and then calling it a day, essentially. It seems like, the, like, I guess because there's not a ton of clarity, there's not much concrete evidence and we can make only good guesses that that's probably why, you know, there's an issue regarding uh, like big action being taken place, uh, you know, being taken about this since we can't, since we can't prove it, uh, that it, that it's like hurting us on a vast scale. There's no way that we're going to throw you know, a wrench into capitalism. Oh no. I mean, I mean, we don't do shit about cars and, and we've, we've right, known about we that know. for forever. <laughs> right. So if we can move outside the house a little bit, as with all, all things in America, uh, it, it's important to point out that these are not just coming from, you know, uh, your, your clothes or, or the, the consumer products you buy. They're, from a, in a large way coming out, and, and please correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here. From a lot of these petrochemical uh, factories as as well, is that correct? So they are they are what are producing the plastics, um, mm-hmm. converting those. You know, they're taking oil and making plastic. But yeah, I actually don't know the the percentages associated to like household use of plastic mm-hmm. versus anything else. I'd say that plastic packaging is a huge um, sure. plastic that's just accumulating unnecessarily. I, it's interesting. I'm curious because, I mean, we know about all the, like, for instance, all the petrochemical plants uh, that are mostly around the Gulf Coast, right? Like uh, uh, up and down the river, uh, Louisiana, right? Cancer Alley, those things, uh, that's famous. Like that has been a nightmare for 40 years or whatever. So I'm 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 curious how those come into play as well, and and now of course they're they're adding more of those in in Texas, and they're building more in Pennsylvania, and, and part of the reason is, and and this is how you know we touch on a lot of things here is when I was doing my reading, it you know they're talking so much about how you know of course electric vehicles are growing, and 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 so uh, eventually car uh, you know car cars on combustion engines will be outlawed everywhere, and that's starting in Europe, and it'll eventually I mean at some point happen here you'd think, or the whole thing is over. But the oil companies are like, we're fine because we're just going to make more plastic because you people can't stop buying plastic. And they're building these things like within a mile of schools in some places. And of course, they're not like, they're not schools where like private white kids go, right? So it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, that it seems like we're just starting to fight this fight, right? Because these these chemical plants uh, and these the petrochemical plants the refineries that are like you said are making the plastics and are refining them from from uh, petroleum are in the air and the water of America's black and brown people and and it seems like we haven't even started to to take that on yeah i don't know I, i'm just trying to take a step back and look at sort of the bigger the institution of it and like where is it all coming from like what's basically i don't know if you're a video game person but like what's the what's the final boss we're actually going to have to take on here you know Oh, I agree. I think that a lot of, you know, they're 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 arguing that it's more supply de- demand, um, but there's a huge environmental justice uh, issue associated with plastic. Yeah, if you're you're building it around communities of color in disadvantaged places, there I always come to question like, well, what is the air going to be like near there? What is what are the water going to be like when they're consuming it? And I know that's also a reason for why, um, especially like in the black community, when I talk to my family, like, hey, you should stop drinking out of a bottled water and like consider mm-hmm. getting a reusable, you know, glass bottle or whatnot. They're like, well, I'm not drinking tap water. Like, did you not see what happened in Michigan with sure. lead? You know, sure. I've, I've been drinking out of bottled water since, you know, the dawn of time. Like I, I remember as a kid that we just never used dishes for a while in certain households. Like they, we would always reach for the solo cup and, mm. you know, the plastic plate. And that was just normalized that we, we didn't need things that were not plastic. And you're um, from Georgia, right? 
So I'm from I'm from California, but I also oh, okay. lived in Georgia. I lived okay. there for high school. And so that was it was just pretty normalized as far as what I understood was that like plastic makes things easy. And I sure. trust the water because you know, people are out there poisoning poisoning sure. us. And so and like while there are stories like that where disadvantaged um communities are not getting uh proper water quality, that's not necessarily true for the entirety of the United States. And so I, at least with like my videos that I make, I'm trying to empower people, especially, you know, communities of color that have a distrust of water to consider looking at their county website for water information, even mm-hmm. like EWG to get like a contrasting information on like what other contaminants are present and doing their own water quality testing kits. If sure. they're, you know, really worried about that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think the, the real pressure as far as, uh, plastic production is should be on corporations to really take a look at why are we continually, con- you know, producing all this plastic since World War II? It's almost exponential, and so I think it's time to try to really think, you know, pressure these companies to start, you know, ramping down a little bit. Sure. Cons- you know, considering what the effect is on the rest of the world and our communities. And it's so complicated, right? And this is where you really have to uh, try to engage as much as possible in in systems thinking and, and first principles and such, which is it is completely understandable uh, why your family and and other families uh, in Georgia or again, especially in in Texas in those areas or Flint um, in all of Detroit, why they would be skeptical of city run water or, you know, um, uh, of not privately owned and why they would just buy bottled water. But at the same time, now you're telling them, yes, yes. But also there's this other problem with the thing you've used as an answer, which is, you know, don't drink out of the bottles and the things you wear and et cetera, et cetera. Please don't get a well because the wells aren't monitored. You know, they don't, uh, they aren't verified by any sort of uh, water quality thing where I'm, I'm stuck on this a little bit because we're having a, um, we're having a conversation very soon with with some folks who are really into the water stuff. And you're right. It's something like 85% of American water, uh, of public public utility water in America, doesn't have any safety issues. And that's really great on sort of a global scale. But I don't think we can escape the fact that sort of the, the varying 15 to 20% that does have issues is predominantly in areas of, of black and brown people and or people below the poverty line. So again, it's understandable why people would be skeptical and why they would say, no, I'm just going to, you know, buy the 30 back of plastic water from CVS every week. I, I mean, I get it, you know? It, it's scary because, you know, that's also a question of equity that that bottle of water is almost charged like 3000 times more than tap water. You're paying more. Oh yeah. Basically put tap water in a plastic bottle sold to you at a premium. So I, it's just a huge, huge um, issue of equity. And then you're not only drinking the tap water, but you're drinking possibly the chemicals associated to that bottle in the tap water. Is there, um, and not not to, you know, put you on the spot with this, but is, is there a, a, a place for this sort of larger societal, you know, sort of civil rights version of this that fits into your work or an application of your work at some point? I mean, I realize you're literally still getting your, 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 uh, yeah, your degree right. here. Um, <laughs> the point is we need you. Uh, yeah. I'm just curious, like in, in the way the world is changing and how information is so much more powerful and also available so that we are starting to, again, know more of these things and know, uh, you know, how the system is designed and how it's punishing certain people. I'm just curious if, if that's, mm. you know, you see that playing a role at any point. Yeah. So right now, I, I don't really know too many like environmental justice related groups focused on like the plastic issue at hand. I know one of the projects that I'm currently working on, which is, I guess, not necessarily a part of my dissertation, is studying communities of color uh, close by to Durham and trying to understand what their well water is like in comparison mm. to the municipal water. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was almost like gerrymandering, the way that their pipes were drawn around this Black community, um, not giving them wow. access to uh, municipal water services. And so I do the chemistry of that water, and I kind of do what's called uh, 
non-target analysis, which is chemical forensic science to try and identify compounds that might be associated to their septic tanks or to Mm. whatever they spray on their lawns that could end up in their wells. Sure. And so that's kind of like for me, like I wanted to do something for, you know, my community uh, while I still had this, you know, these tools that I'm learning in my PhD. And so it was, it still kind of fit in line with, you know, the skills I wanted to grow as a person and a way to try and, you know, help understand what's going on in communities of color. I mean, it seems like a great starting place, right? It's just like, there's such a lack of, there's either so much, such a substantial overpowering amount of disinformation or misinformation that is extended to these people, or there's just been a a lack of information extended to them. And, and so they go on whatever, you know, Pepsi's marketing tells them about the bottled water or whatever, you know, some uninformed county official tells them about building their well. That'll be great. You know, you've got your own water, this and this. Meanwhile, it's not regulated in any way and they have no, you have no idea what's in there. Yeah, it's frustrating. And then there's always issues of water quantity. If they, if their well breaks, what do they do? Now they have to go to the municipal water. They have to drive with, you know, a plastic tank, fill up their water, um, you know, there and transport it back and it sits in this plastic tank in the sun in the environment forming microplastics and releasing all kinds of chemicals Uh, but it's but it's technically tap water but it's now in a plastic carboy in the sun so sad it's really sad yikes well all all we can do is is take action and and try to help right right. right. is 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 fight the good fight here so yeah, and so yeah, as we start to look at that towards towards action steps, I want to know we've we've like just started banning plastic bags, right, and plastic straws and and microbeads in cosmetics, etc. Like, is that just the tip of the iceberg? Mm-hmm. Are the, are these things good and helpful? Or I think that single use plastic is what makes up the majority of uh, yeah. like improperly disposed waste in things like our ocean. So I think uh, plastic bag bans are a great start along with straws. But I I think we need to think a little bit wider scale. Right. And, you know, really try and limit things like plastic packaging. Like why, you know, we, we're going to keep ordering things. I'm assuming we're all staying at home. We're, we like to buy stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, how do we make sure that that's done in a way that doesn't, you know, accumulate unnecessary amounts of plastic? And then let's talk about, you know, Coronavirus, like we are all wearing masks now. Please wear masks, everybody. Sure. Jesus Christ, um, just wear a mask. <laughs> we're we're wearing masks, but a lot of people are buying those single use um, medical masks yeah. instead mm-hmm. of these reusable. You know, you know, get your t shirt washable. Yeah, washable masks, and so that is accumulating massive amounts of uh, debris and you know mask in, in our environment and in our landfills. And I think an article just released that there's like almost as many masks in the ocean as jellyfish now. Oh great. Yeah. I think they were they were trying to predict how many are accumulating because we're just we're just using them all over the world now. We're we're mass producing. Our petrochemical yeah. companies are now right. designed to mass produce these masks. And while they are very important for like our medical workers and like, you know, who need to have that single use option, like the general public should really start considering moving towards like cloth options or things that are just reusable. Yeah. And, and you know, it, fi- it, it, it fires me up and this is why like the answers to these things and, and the real objects of our ire need to be the, the corporations and the institutionalized design of these things, because it's, you know, I understand why people, and I get this all of the time, why in conversations when we're trying to encourage people how to live a cleaner life for themselves and for society, when you're just like, oh, but don't actually drink that water because that's got plastic. Oh, but don't actually build a well. They eventually they just go like, well, how do I fucking win? You know, like where's right. the fucking win? And the problem with that is like, yes, people definitely need to make better choices. Um, and better choices can improve the health of yourself and your family and your locality and your water and your society for sure. Um, and they can also spur a movement, for example, in 2020, when we've got uh, social media and things like that, right? They're, they're not just, um, uh, you know, you're not just shouting into the wind uh, as much as it can, but the real movement is going to be 
you know, on this institutionalized front, whether it's with climate or clean energy or clean water or whatever it might be, right? But I get why it's, again, it's complicated. Like when you keep taking a step back, I think about coal, for example, right? Industrialized countries, uh, as we call them now, have spent a hundred years since Peaky Blinders uh, developing and industrializing and becoming rich, relatively rich compared to the rest of the world, on the back of easy coal, and then for the last 50 years, uh, easy plastic, right? Meanwhile, we desperately need to ban both of those things. And so the countries that are further behind, probably because they were colonized at first, uh, on those metrics at least, they're being told, sorry, you don't, you don't get to use uh, coal and you don't get to use plastic. And that's shitty because we got to, uh, but it's also necessary. Um, th- I guess the difference being that if we stopped using coal and plastic right now, right? For coal, at least we've got these, uh, these, these starter technologies that for sure we shouldn't be relying on, but we should be working on simultaneously these things that can suck emissions out of the air. But I guess the problem with plastic is, and please, please correct me if I'm wrong here, one, it never breaks down, and two, there's, no, there's not like a fucking giant magnet you can draw along the beach and suck all the plastic up, right? Um, unless that's what you're doing with your flux capacitor or whatever. There's, there's like, we can't, I don't, again, please correct me if I'm wrong, there's no way to like actually get rid of this stuff. Like, so we can stop making it, but do we, are we just going to be living with all of this that's already out there? I'm not trying to be doomy. I just, I literally just want to establish like facts here so people yeah. understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel you with the gloom and doom. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to take larger time scales than we will live to see to actually, you know, remove plastic from our environment that was made back in World War II. Um, and I guess that depends on the plastic type, of course, as well. But yeah, like I, I was just thinking about this earlier. I was like, how do we make a magnet that doesn't take up organisms or like nutrients out of the ocean and suck up microplastics? I, I, I have not heard of anything as of yet. So I guess in that realm, we could try and do things to remediate our environment. But I think the biggest solution right now is to try and uh, lessen the amount that is being released into the environment. Sure. Better waste management practices and production um, decreases. And it's like you talked about with the masks. <clears throat> Again, it reminds me of 20th century en- energy and the arguments that all these these fossil fuel companies are making in court now, um, which are just fucking null and void. Oh, there it is. Sorry, mom. It, which is like they're She's like good. they're like, hey guys, you used our energy to to build society. You're welcome. And everyone in the other side of the courtroom is going, no, 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 no. See, we asked for energy. We didn't ask for fossil fuels. We asked for energy. And there's a different way to do it. And it's the same thing as the masks, which is plastic is the easy answer. We need masks. To be very clear, we need masks. You don't have to make them out of plastic just because it's the cheapest, easiest option because there is a fucking trade-off to it. And we need to make that decision now, four months into this thing, because everyone, 7 billion people are going to be wearing them for the next few years. And we've got to find a way. And we've got, it can't just be like fancy canvas masks assembled in Los Angeles as great as those are because nobody can afford them, right? It needs to be, we, we have to find other ways to do this and we have to challenge these institutions to do them now so that it doesn't become a bigger problem. Because again, we can't get rid of the plastic once it's out there. Oh yeah. And I think that it's really interesting to see that there's companies now advertising uh, you know, the single use plastic as hygienic and clean, like almost like clean to get everybody back onto, oh, you need to buy single use cups and, you know, everything. Oh, yeah. Kind of like go right back to it because you don't want to get this virus. So get things you can throw out so you don't have to interact with them again. And it's so easy to think like, oh, that's probably just a coincidence and they're not doing that on purpose until you like read mm. read the strategy documents of these companies from the past 30 years or what they've even doing the, the past two years when they're buying all their like greenwashing advertisements of being like, oh, we're spending a million dollars on carbon capture this year. And it's like, motherfucker, you made a hundred billion dollars last year. Don't tell me how you're spending a million dollars. It's just literally marketing money. It's insane. It's a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's sad. And like, I, there's also companies that are now trying to push back at certain bag bans. You know, I know in California, I think 
it was like paused so that y'all could use plastic bags again um, oh. during the mm. virus. But yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of work trying to undo the work being done to limit plastic. We must take action. Take it back. Tell, tell, <laughs> take it back. Let, let's tell them what's um, up, Brian. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about action steps that that our um, that our listeners can take to to support you um, and your mission uh, with their voice, their vote, and their dollar. So let's start with with uh, voice. One of our overarching goals is to shine a light on on where we need to go as a people. So what are the big actionable, specific actionable questions that we can all be asking of our uh, elected representatives to support you in your mission? Mm-hmm. The specific actionable things that they can ask representatives would be, what are your waste management strategies in your city or, you know, state? And like, how are these planning to change with the ever increasing plastic in our world? Uh, along with, uh, you know, not everybody has recycling. That's, and that, that's kind of like a crazy thing to me. My last apartment, uh, did not really have as many recycling options. And so, uh, I think trying to at least get that up and running and making sure that all plastic is getting recycled because that's a whole nother bag of discussion that somebody great should come talk to y'all about. But just working to just fix our waste management practices of plastic first and then um, putting more pressure on corporations to really think about a circular economy with their products. Like I know that uh, I think Coca-Cola is trying to buy back their bottles um, to continue to reuse them. So just trying to encourage corporations to consider, like, once you put this product out into the universe, how do you get that back and continue to reuse it in innovative ways so that we're not, you know, ramping up production over and over again? So um, that kind of pressure uh, from representatives and from government uh, to take those steps, I think, is going to be uh, very important because it's it's not going to just take us and our dollar. It's going to take, yeah, uh, policy in place to try and limit single-use plastic and create circular economies uh, with plastic. I love it. Love it. Uh, and then, what about what? What can our listeners do with their with their money besides you know supporting candidates uh, locally or or on the federal level? Are there specific places? that we can be donating uh, uh, places that are really fighting these, these fights? Mm, yeah. So there's a couple, there's a plastic ocean collective. The one right now, since it's July, uh, this is plastic free July. And uh-huh. that is a, a plastic free foundation with the goal of creating a world free of plastic waste. Uh, and so you can donate on their website, which is plasticfreejuly.org. Uh, you can also take their pesky plastic quiz, uh, which is what I did yesterday. And it kind of shows you like, what are you currently doing to mitigate mm-hmm. plastic waste? And like, what are the things that, you know, you should consider or may not be as possible for you just because of, you know, your economic situation or what's accessible to you? Um, so I think that org is a, a really interesting one. And they're, they're not just focused on just July. They're, they're trying to just start a movement starting today, this month forward, you know, how do we, you know, as, as a group of people try and limit plastic. Very glad to hear that. It's not just July. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really awesome. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we can put links to those in our, in our show notes. Um, and then, uh, and then what about like, what, what are things we could do just on a personal level? Um, you know, with, I don't know, washing and drying our clothes or, air purifiers or just any other maybe maybe things that the average person wouldn't think about that they could do to help. Yeah. And, and and sorry, and I just want to be again clear there and like we are with our climate stuff which is like the onus is not on the person to solve this problem. That is on uh, our elected officials and industry, but like you said, um you know, and the research is beginning to show these things do affect your air and your water and your bloodstream. So there are actions we all should be taking just to make ourselves and our families healthier. Again, if we're socioeconomically able to do that. Um, so again, proceed. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think the, the pressure should be more on corporations than, than humans. But uh, 
things like buying in bulk, like going to the wholesale club and, you know, getting bulk flour or dried beans and fruit. Those can be helpful using a reusable water bottle or mug. Now, in our current days of days, going to a coffee shop with a reusable mug is not going to be very feasible. But, um, you know, there are still like water refilling stations for for water bottles, and those are still labeled as safe to do so. Uh, Getting things like bulk tea leaves. Um, so we were just talking about tea before this. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I knew it was going to come back to this. We're going <laughs> to, we're, we're back to it. So if you're, right. you're drink, if you like to drink tea, I love drinking tea. Uh, you got to think about what your tea bag is made out of. So a lot of them are actually made out of plastic, um, bags. Perfect. And so if you throw that into a hot cup of water, you're likely to release billions of microplastic particles into your drink. Awesome. Um, I yeah. learned about this about a year ago. I I'm, I kind of like I was a big tea drinker, and the idea that these things were plastic, I I was I was horrified. Like you like you said, you're putting it into hot water. You're just doing the thing to yourself. Is that is that is the average tea bag that thing that sort of looks like it's I don't know. I wouldn't think plastic right away, but is that plastic? No, I think of uh, those fancy premium ones. You know that like look like a okay. cloth bag. <clears throat> yeah. Right. 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 That, like cost extra. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fan- the fancy ones are, are typically what I what I think of uh, with those plastic tea bags, um, and like even with coffee, like if you have a Keurig and you're popping the pot in into get your coffee, like that's a single use plastic. Yeah, yeah, those are bad. Yeah, you can apparently get a replaceable one. Apparently, the Nespresso ones are recyclable. At least I send them back. I really would love to have someone from that company on the show to explain to me how those are recyclable and 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 all the Keurig ones are not, because it does seem like quite the nightmare. These things. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. You know, everything is plastic makes things easy, but they're not that easy at the end of the day. Um, But it's very tricky, actually. Oh yeah. For things like clothes. I would think about trying to buy things that probably have cotton in them or linen since it's warm outside right now, uh, or even just buying secondhand. Like if you try and put clothes that were, you know, originally plastic just back into circulation so they're not getting thrown away uh, earlier, that's going to definitely help uh, as far as like the idea of fast fashion. We're continually buying things for for mm-hmm. one wear and then letting them accumulate and then get tossed. Um, when we're done with and even ooh, microwaving plastic so uh. yeah we're we're going back into the office with our reusable lunchbox uh, mm-hmm. yeah you don't want to you don't want to microwave your tubware as much i i don't recommend it that's just heat and whatever substances are present in there absorbing uh those chemicals into your food and uh oh what about in the bathroom oh let's talk about wet wipes Ooh, let's talk about wet wipes. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's get into the special time in the bathroom. So sure. I always end up talking about poop because I'm an environmental engineer. <laughs> for uh, sure. <laughs> so do we and we're not, which is weird. Please yeah, continue. Makes less sense for us. Yes. So imagine, you know, using your wet wipe. Most of them, flushable or non-flushable, tend to have some form of plastic, which is like a, called a polyethylene terephthalate. Uh, and so those will end up, you know, being flushed down the drain accumulate in our sewers and sometimes cause blockages, uh, but they release all kinds of microplastic fibers into um, our water. And then if they're cleaned out with our poop, you never know what happens to your poop when you're done. Like it will be removed as sludge and then land applied later. Um, So lovely fertilizer. But uh, yeah, those contain thousands of microplastic fibers that end up in our agricultural environments and can possibly get uptaken into our food, like our vegetables and fruits. So think about whether you really need to use a flushable or non-flushable wipe and uh, even consider looking into bidets. I haven't tried one yet, but Um, that's an option. They'll change your fucking life is what they are. I got one like five years ago. They are delightful. Oh my. Good. Good to know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, All right. mm-hmm. Duly noted. He's he's voted for it. It's a. Uh, I have the. I got whatever the wire cutter one is. Hold on. I'm gonna find out what it is. Wire oh, cutter. wire cutter is great. It's so dangerous. The Toto washlet. You don't know wire cutter? Oh no. no. 
Oh, this oh, is yeah, real bad. Wire cutter. Wire cutter is uh, like consumer reports, except they just say like, this is the best one. Get this one. It's been around for like five years. It's fantastic. And then they'll write 2000 words about like why it's the best one. But um, it's great. No, it's perfect. I, that's exactly what I need. I need fully verified that something is is exactly what I need. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Those people owe me a lot of money. Anyways, well, that's all really, really uh, helpful. I really appreciate it. Again, to sort of summarize, it sounds like uh, check out things like Plastic Free July. Talk to your representatives and and make a stink with industry about circular economies. Check out things like, like you said, Coca-Cola trying to uh, bring back their bottles. Find out about chemical plants in your locality. Uh, check your water. Check your water quality. There's uh, there's some great sources to do this, and we'll put them in the show notes. Whether you're on city water or you're one of the uh, small percentage of Americans on private water, or you have a well, um, which again, like no one is checking your well water but you. Is there a way, like for people with well water, can they bring them to a scientist such as yourself to get their quality checked? How does that work? I do believe there are certain research centers that are taking water samples, but I I don't actually know if you have to pay for them or not. That's only the issue um, is how expensive that can get. Sure, But I can send you some links if I see something. There might be one even in my lab that does that. Okay. Well, that's something interesting we could, we could figure out. Let's, uh, let's chat. And then otherwise, (laughs) uh, it seems like, you know, buy in bulk, like don't buy things in, in, don't buy a a set of of 50 seaweed things that have 50 different packages. Try not to use the curry coffee things, buy secondhand clothes when you can, even if it's plastic, uh, pass that on again, participate as where you can in a, in a circular economy and please stop microwaving plastic and using plastic tea bags. Does that start to cover it? Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Wow. Well done, Quinn. I, d- I did nothing. I literally just said what she said. You just back. said what she said. Yeah. No, I did none of this work. <laughs> and n- n- neither of them I qualified to do any of it. Amari, we're getting close to time here, so we want to get you out of here. Um, but we have a last few questions that we ask everybody. If, if you have two more minutes for us. Absolutely. Amari. Lightning round. It's still not a lightning round. We're going to change oh. the name one day. Thanks, Brian. Got it. Um, yep. Amari. When was the first time in your life when you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? Gosh, it almost feels like right now. Uh, I hope you don't mean literally today on this podcast. There's got to be something. Like now, 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 now. Sweet okay. Jesus. Okay. So okay. I'll, I'll say that it, sure. like, it feels like uh, one of the moments that's made an impact on me is, is, was May when I decided to create a YouTube channel to try and educate people on chemicals in our plastics and in our consumer products, and then teach people about higher education and the opportunities for themselves. So, uh, you know, Corona life crisis gets a cat decides to start a YouTube channel. Uh, but you know, I told people like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a science communicator. I want to, to tell people to, you know, think a little bit more about the choices that we're making and so my first video, I think, came out May 19th. And then uh, the one about the 10 facts about microplastics, May 28th, that one ended up blowing up to like over, you know, a couple thousand views. And so that that moment of, wow, it's not just my mom watching this video. Uh, people are actually curious about microplastics and, you know, want to continue to talk about it, like on this podcast, uh, was was eye opener uh, for me. And That's then, awesome. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And I think also the change in this double pandemic that we're dealing with, the fact that, you know, police brutality is here, especially with the black community. I think the Black Lives Matter movement kind of amplified that black voices are, you know, they need to be amplified. They need to be given a voice and shown that, you know, we are a diverse group of people and mm-hmm. have the opportunity to create change. And so uh, the fact that it kind of coincided around a similar timeline uh, was really empowering for me. That's awesome. Um, well, we thank you for putting all that out there on top of all of the research and work you're, you're doing for your own uh, education and, and professional life. Amari, who is someone in your life that has positively impacted your work in the past six months? If it's not my mom, then it would have to be my fiance. So uh, he has, especially because I consider this channel and like scientific communication, a 
another job and my own, you know, form of work. But uh, I think he single-handedly really encouraged me and continue to, you know, push me towards doing what I love and what I'm passionate about. So uh, not only is it his birthday today, but... hey Hey, happy birthday! <laughs> this, is, this is coming out after his birthday, but happy birthday. Yes. Happy birthday, Demetrius. Wait, hold on. Um, so you can tell us now, what's the plan? What are you doing? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm about to go get some barbecue, <laughs> but he's going to do yeah. it because he's from Kansas City. So ooh, uh, ooh. they have the best barbecue. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we're going to get some barbecue and a cake and just enjoy our enjoy our day. How much can I you judge it? You're going out in a pandemic to get the man barbecue. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Why are you spending time with us? All right. Hold on. We got to get her out of here. Jesus. Uh, Not be here right now. Well, thank you. Uh, Demetrius, is that what you said his name is? Yes, Demetrius. Thank you, Demetrius. Um, Brian, bring her home. Come on. She has so much to do. Let's go. Bring it home. No, of course. We love this question. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed? What's your self-care? What is your self-care? Ooh. So pre-COVID, it would be going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, current right now is uh, journaling, um, to-do list, because I'm a weirdo. I, I need to compartmentalize my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then bubble baths and walking my cat outside. I feel like you and Brian could have a whole other podcast. I love walking that you cats. love cats. <laughs> Big cat guy over here. Big cat guy. Ugh. Yeah, we can walk cats together. It's it's a, it's a it. great time. Great. This They're is just incredible. Great. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, if you could send one book to Donald Trump, what would it be? We have a, a list of recommendations from past guests on uh, on Bookshop. What would you add to that list? I'm not sure if this one's already on there, but I would say uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury. So that book teaches people self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. It's weird that you think that that's applicable and needed. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Well, you know, IQ typically can't be adjusted too much, but mm-hmm. emotional intelligence is uh, a place of growth for anybody. Um, so I really appreciate that book, but you know, I think the world would be different if we had a little bit more empathy in our leaders and love that. Yeah. So I, I hope we don't want our president to fail. We don't want our country. To no, fail. we want to do better and save our world. So a little bit of empathy is going to be important in that realm. I love that. We will check it out and we will add it to the list. Uh, and listeners, you can find that link in our show notes. It used to be on Amazon, but we've moved on to Bookshop because it's fantastic. Uh, oh. And that's at bookshop.org slash shop slash important, not important. There's something, what do we got on there? There's like 90 books on there now. It's pretty great. Um, awesome. Amari, where can our listeners follow you on the internet? Yeah. So my YouTube channel is Imari Walker. It's spelled I-M-A-R-I-W-A-L-K-E-R. And then um, I'm usually on Twitter and Instagram under Calamari93. So C-A-L-I-M-A-R-I-93. That's it. Awesome. Do you enjoy eating calamari? I do. Yeah, I do too. I, I should be guilty, but maybe not. I don't know. I like it. Mm. Every once in a while, when you when you when you need a good self care day, exactly bubble bath and calamari right after That's you right. walk your Ma- cat. None of us love are it. You know, <laughs> perfect day. Um, oh god, uh, Amari, thank you uh, for your time today on Demetrius's birthday. Holy cow! Uh, and for all that you do uh, to to uh, educate yourself, to educate others, to 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 apply uh, your first force of. Uh, curiosity clearly and and personality and knowledge and skills to the professional world and and society. I think we're all um, already very lucky and going to be very lucky to to have you as part of this team trying to uh, make the world a little bit of a better place. Um, So thank you and thank you for taking the time to to talk to us today. Thank you both for having me. Happy to do it. It's a good day. Um, yeah, <laughs> awesome. it was. All right, have a great rest of your day and uh, enjoy well, the cake. Enjoy the cake. Wait, what kind of what's it? What kind of cake is he? What kind of guy is he for cake? It's what are we ice talking? Ice cream cake. We're working yeah. on chocolate yes, yes. ice cream cake. Yes, strong. What's the icing? Uh, ice cream. So good. Oh, it's it's um, it's probably gonna be buttercream. 
Mm, yeah, yes. well, that's the right answer. Making all the right decisions yep. here, Amari. Uh, it's going to be great. All right, Amari. Uh, have a great day, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Take care. Stay cool. Oh, my God. Don't go Thank outside. you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute or awesome workout or dishwashing or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Just so weird. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Important Not Important, Pinterest and Tumblr, the same thing. So check us out, follow us, share us, like us, you know the deal. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to things like this. And if you're really fucking awesome, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Keep the lights on. Thanks. Please. <laughs> and you can find the show notes from today right in your little podcast player and at our website, importantnotimportant.com. Thanks to the very awesome Tim Blaine for our jamming music, to all of you for listening, and finally, most importantly, to our moms for making us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks.